Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Sister Melissa and I had eaten at a particular place and got the same thing Wednesday and became very sick. And uh, I even had to leave church Wednesday night. I knew God was doing something in me because the men had prayed over me, but I couldn't even hold myself upright for my stomach cramping. And Jennifer had brought me home a prayer cloth I'd done made up in my mind when she got there that I was going to the emergency room. But when she got there and brought me the cloth, I just pressed it against my belly and began to just declare the promise of God. And it was not an instant healing, but through the night, God healed me. And I'm thankful, I'm thankful that in time of trouble, in time of need, we serve a God that we can call upon. And I'm so thankful for that this morning. What a privilege to be in the house of the Lord to feel his presence, and what a privilege to be with such precious people. You know, you can come to church and, and feel the presence of God, and that's a wonderful thing. But there's nothing like coming to church, feeling the presence of God, and having the fellowship that we're afforded here at Hatchbin Apostolic, and I'm thankful for that today. You know, everything in this life that we particip- participate in or partake in, in some shape, form, or fashion, Take some preparation. You know, you got to prepare, whether it be uh, on your job or for a meal or, or whatever that may be. Uh, it is uh, every Sunday we have dinner at my mother's, and she cooks a big dinner for all of our family. Most often, more than not, we have roast plus sides. And one of my favorite sides that my mother does is rutabagas. And I just love rutabagas. And a couple of months ago, she usually does the preparing on Saturday evening, and I was spending some time with her, and she was preparing, and um, her hands or something was hurting, and she was cutting up the or attempting to cut up the rutabaga. I said, I'll do that for you, Mama. And um, after I went to the truck and got the chainsaw, um uh, <laughs> You know, I got the rutabaga rutabaga cut up. But I thought, Mama, how do you do this? And it made me think, when I sit down now to eat rutabagas, I don't just throw them in and swallow them down, but I savor them and enjoy them because it takes some preparation. And you know, spiritually, sometimes it takes some preparation to get us where God wants to take us. And I want to speak to us this morning about preparing. Preparing for a promise. God's given us some promises. There's some promises in His Word that He's given us. And we're going to visit a familiar story today. I don't bring nothing new to the desk, but I I want to bring reminder and refreshing to the desk. And we're going to pray and be seated. And uh, after you're seated, if you will, 
go to the book of Genesis chapter 12. We'll begin there and we're going to kind of, uh, I apologize this morning, we won't read every scripture, but we're going, to, we're going to skip through Genesis and just follow Abraham and Sarah on a journey. Would you do that with me this morning? Father, I love you and I'm so thankful for the great privilege to be in this place. Thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost in your presence that we already feel. Thank you for that blood that we've sang about this morning, God. And Lord, at this appointed time and at this appointed place, we're fixing to break open the bread of life. And I ask that you open our hearts and our minds, God, and help us to receive. God, you've given a word today, Lord, and I ask you to help me to convey that, that word and that spirit. And I give you thanks and glory and honor in Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor before you're seated and tell them how good it is to see them in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen, amen. You know, we as, we as people of God, or, or, or really people in general, have a problem with waiting. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, why we want it, and it's all got to happen right now and when we want it. But many of us know that things, <laughs> they just don't go that way in life. And I say this respectfully. But my generation and the generation coming up under me is a very spoiled generation. It doesn't matter if it's not good for us. It doesn't matter if it's something we don't need, but we just want it. And if it doesn't happen when we think it should, we begin to devise plans and a, a process uh, to make this come to pass in our life. And it tends to get us in trouble, and it's why we're in trouble um, as a nation where we stand now. And, you know, we actually live in a society that encourages the inability to wait. Everybody wants it right now. That's why it's, the fast food industry is so popular. Instead of cooking a homemade meal that I referred to earlier, we want to jump in the car and run down to the, to the local establishment, the McDonald's or the sub shop or the whatever, whatever's popular at the point. And our inability to wait is also what afflicts and destroys and cripples our ministries. And when I, when I speak of ministries today, I'm not referring to this desk, and I'm not referring to anything in here. I'm referring to outside of these walls. We have a responsibility. We've been given a commandment. And if we're going to advance in the kingdom of God, we've got to stay in the will of God, and we've got to follow after God. Our, our inability to wait cripples us, and we tend to want to move too fast instead of waiting on God. That's why Isaiah chapter 40, he said, they that wait upon the Lord. And there's a purpose behind waiting on the Lord. The process of moving too fast is what causes a lot of us to fall. And it's what causes disaster in ministry. And I know we want to we get uncomfortable, but we're talking about a disaster in ministry. But sometimes things don't work. We plan something, we do something, whatever it's outreach or inreach, or but we we plan something, and it as hard as it may be to accept, and as bad as it hurts, it crashes and burns. And more often times than not, that happens because we're not prepared. Or it wasn't in the will of God. I'm not saying always, but disaster comes when we are unprepared. You can rest assured that if you don't prepare for the work that God has for you, you will not be successful. 
unprepared for the work that God has for us to do will will cripple us. Don't get me wrong. God's time (laughs) can seem so long when we're waiting on God, but we also must realize that he's not some puppet on a string that we can move at at the desired time we're ready to. And when he finally does move in our life, we'll always find that he was always on time and it was us who was really late. Because we feel that God is not moving fast enough to give us blessings, which we think we deserve, we tend to want to we tend to want to help God or we tend to want to put our two cents worth in, if I may say that. Not realizing we, we forget that God God doesn't owe us anything. And that everything that He gives us, everything He gives us is because of privilege and favor. I'm going to say that one more time. Everything that you received of God, you're privileged. And you received it because you're highly favored. He said, come out. He said, we're a separate people. We're a peculiar people. And we're privileged this morning. We have nothing to be ashamed of to be apostolic. This is the greatest thing going, and it's the truth. And we're, we're privileged to be part of this. But if we're not careful, we'll, we'll develop an attitude and we can say, okay, God, I've waited and I've waited and I've waited and I'm tired of waiting. And I'm going to kind of do things my own way. And when I'm done with that, I'll, I'll ask you for forgiveness and hope that you'll forgive me. But we say all this and we declare all this forgetting the principle that patience is a virtue and good things come to those that wait. I'm reminded of when we begin our crossroads prison ministry and we set out on this adventure in 2007 and, and it wasn't until 2009 when we was, we was actually allowed to go behind the fence and begin a service. And um, I, I say this respectfully and I don't, please don't misunderstand me that I was unappreciative of what we was having. But you have visions and everybody sees things big when they want something. And I remember thinking of, oh, what a time we're going to have. And when we got into the first service, and there's nine, nine people. And it took a long time to grow, and I, I was very thankful for the nine. Please don't misunderstand that. But I, I had grand visions of something. And, but it wasn't until later on that I looked back and realized as God began to multiply, Brother Rayleigh, and God began to add, and we began to have 100, and then 140, and, and then 180. The old facility, we had as many as 205. The place where we're at now, well, they will only allow 140 in the building, and it's usually packed. But I didn't understand until later on that I wasn't prepared. The Crossroads Ministry wasn't prepared for that at the time. But God had to take us through baby steps. And our our problem with waiting is also the very reason that Satan, he comes in with his conniving self and he gives us a a right now blessing, a, a blessing that's counterfeit. And that's the very things that takes our mind and our focus off of God. And it always seems to be in our nature to go for the right now thing instead of the right thing. And we've got to be careful. The reason that we fall so often is because Satan, and I'm not talking about backsliding or sinning this morning. When I, when I use the word fall, I'm talking about just not being successful in ministry. And the reason that we fall so often is through the, through, through the VCR of our mind, what we are lacking and what everybody else seems to have. And, and, and we, 
we see what we want and we look around at what everybody else may be doing and we feel like we're losing. We feel like that, you know, that we don't have nothing and that's when we begin to lose faith, we lose focus, and we question God and we get out of the will of God and, and you know, we begin to ask. I have found myself in God, asking, God, why, why, why am I being held back? How come, how come I've been serving these years and, and I don't have nothing? How come I... I see people prospering more than me, and why is my life always at a standstill? The earth says, the Bible says the earth is yours and the fullness is thereof. So, so where is this blessing? Where is this promise that you've given me? I think that at some point in time in our lives, all of us, if we were to lift our hands this morning, all of us would lift our hands and say that we've been through this stage in life and we wonder when will God show up? It seems if we were always falling into a life of constant hard times and a life of nothingness, and every time we turn around, there's a different trial, a different problem, and a different tribulation. And when we get to the end, it seems if it's God is still not there and he has still not answered, and the reason that God has not moved in the situation is because it is not our appointed time. But I've stepped to this desk this morning to tell somebody to keep preparing because that promise that he give you is on the way. That promise, however long ago it may have been, whether it was last week, whether it was a year ago or ten years ago, that promise that God has given you that you've almost given up on, that you've, you've lost faith, you've lost hope, you've lost encouragement, I've come to tell you this morning that God, God hasn't forgot. In all of this time, God has been preparing you and developing you, and he's going to do what he promised he would do. All of us here have read the story of Abraham and Sarah, and we see that their lives were filled with excitement and adventure. They lived their lives as wanderers, went from place to place, dwelling in tents, seeing different lands, seeing different people. And Abraham was known as the father of the faithful. We know that he was called the friend of God. He was remarkable for his simple, unwavering faith. Abraham was a man of faith. He was the father of a nation. But before any of these things transpired in his life, he was just plain old Abram, son of Terah, living in the Ur of Chaldees. Abraham and Sarah's whole life changed when God met with them. And God commanded Abraham to come out from among his kindred and his father's people and go to a land that he had commanded them to. And the reason for the move was God was about to establish a covenant with Abram. That he stated he would make him a great nation and that he would bless him. And, and he would, he, through him, he would bless all families on earth. And so the Bible tells us, if you'll go with me in the 12th chapter, verse 1, Bible tells us that Abraham packed his bags, his possessions, his, and his wife, and he went on his way. And God commanded him on the journey. And Scripture says that the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and to a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram 
was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And I want to draw our attention to the conclusion of verse 4. God meets with Abraham, and at this point in his life, he's 75. He's giving him a promise, going to make you a father of nations. You know, everybody's going to be blessed because of you, Abraham. Everybody, everybody that comes up under you is going, to, is going to dwell with me. And God told Abraham that through his seed, all families on the earth would be blessed. And when we read this scripture, when we read this text, we think, my, what a, what a great promise. But the problem is, is that Abram and Sarah, at this point, her name was Sarah. She had no children. We learned that she was barren. And the only way that Abraham could be the father of nations is if God would heal the womb of Sarah. God had to touch her. And, and God wants to, it's his desire to give blessing. But sometimes we've got to let him heal us. And understand me this morning. Sometimes we don't want to be healed. This affliction that we've bore for so long, this atrocity that we carried, it see, it identifies me. It's who I am. And if God removes this from my life, if he heals me, then who will I be? Where will I be? But there's some things in our life, ladies and gentlemen, that we're going to have to get over. And we're going to have to let God take out of our life. And when we do that, when we let God heal us, that's when we can begin to reap the blessings that God wants in our life. This was a woman who probably by this time had become accustomed or, or she was used to the idea that she would never have any children and she was dealing with being barren. She had many things that would make her very happy and leaving her feeling quite satisfied with her life. She was beautiful, and we know that because the Bible tells us how Abram on two occasions lied about their relationship, and he'd done that to, to protect his family. She had a husband that loved her. She had all the material things she needed. Remember, Abraham, at, at, at this point, he was extremely wealthy. So we're talking about a woman that's got all she needs, She's got everything that she could desire, but she's childless. But there was one thing, one thing that she coveted, one thing that she desired. All of Abraham's love, everything that she had couldn't seem to provide. But she was barren. Not simply that she had no children, but she was barren. And now that is surely something that could perhaps cause a a woman to be unhappy. And we see at this juncture in her life, her husband has received a promise from God who tells Abram that he would make him a great nation. And the only way this could happen was through children. But I, I've got to believe that this promise made this move easier. We've got to leave this country. You've got to leave your family. But I've got a promise for you. If you do, if you'll follow my will, Abram, I'm going to give you children. So I have to believe that, you know, that, that Sarai at this point was, was ready to go with bags packed. Honey, when, when do we leave? She was filled with joy, and although she would be mournful from leaving her family, she knew that if she followed the will of God, that God was going to promise her children. Happiness bubbled from within at the aspect that she would no longer be barren, but she would have a child. She was going to give birth, and I can imagine that images of that child danced through her head and she probably had dreams and she began to 
she began to plan for this child and she began to to wonder whether it would be a boy or a girl and I'm sure she probably had sent Abraham out to 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 gather some deer skins and some cow hides because Abraham we've got to enlarge this tent I've got to make a place for the baby God's give us a promise I've got to I've got to get everything prepared I need you to build me a build me a cradle to hold this baby it's coming this promise is coming you know there's there's great anticipation when a baby is about to arrive you know um I might not should tell this story, but it's the only one that comes to my mind. <laughs> we used to we used to keep Walgreens in business um, from pregnancy tests. We, we we put it in God's hands now. We don't take no more of them. But and at first, I thought blue meant boy and pink meant girl. <laughs> but I can remember, Brother Donnie. Just for the few minutes while we was waiting for the color to change, you know, you, you, I get to thinking about what kind of horse am I going to buy my boy? What kind, you know, how am I going to dress him up? And there's anticipation that, that this baby is coming and, and you start preparing. Sister Amy, when that precious thing was born, on your way home, y'all bought a baby bed. You, you, you come home and you painted the room. You done everything for her. No, 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 no. Long before she was born, long before she was born, I seen the pictures of the painted wall. I seen her name on the wall, Brother Chris, and I, I seen the baby bed, and I seen the high chair. I, preparing, preparing. God's give a promise, and when he gives that promise, we can't stand idle by, but we've got to prepare. And here's Sarah. She's preparing. She's, she's got a word from her husband. Now, God hasn't spoke to her. God hasn't, God hasn't revealed himself to her. He's met with Abraham, and she's relying on Abraham's faith. And, and time goes by, and time goes by, nothing, nothing. In Genesis 15, if you'll move ahead with me in verse 1, and after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what would thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Elizar of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. But look here. Look at verse 6. And he believed in the Lord and counted it for his righteousness. God gives us promise. He gives us promise after promise, Brother Rayleigh, and it never comes to fruition. But I want to tell you this morning, if we can keep faith, if we can just keep believing, he said he would never leave us nor forsake us. And I remind you this morning that at this, at this appointed meeting at this time, Historians place Abraham at about 85, so we have 10 years. 10 years have passed. Sister Amy, if you had prepared and prepared and prepared and the nine months come around and no child, maybe your faith would be strong enough to, to say, okay, he's, 
The doctor said I was pregnant. I'm going to have this child. And then another year rolls around and another year rolls around. Maybe it's time now to start repainting the room. Maybe it's time now to, to put the crib up and put the high chair up because it doesn't look like this is taking place. I know they said I was pregnant. I know they said there was a promise coming, but I can't see it. And here's Sarah, 10 years, and Abraham has met with God again, and he says, hang on, honey. Hang on. He's given us one more time. He's promised us. But I can only imagine that after not receiving that promise year after year, Sarah started only half listening to what her husband said. and She believed God and she trusted her husband, but her faith was being challenged. I think there's some people that know what I'm talking about. God's given us a promise and we've waited patiently. But sometimes if we real, if we get real about it, it's hard to continue to believe in the promise. I'm sure that Sarah began to come to the assumption that it was her fault that she was not getting pregnant, that it was her fault that this promise was not taking place, that she was failing her husband. Is it her? God's give the promise. Why is it not happening? Is it her? And that's when she does the inevitable. And she puts her two cents, if I may say so, in God's plan and puts her nose where it doesn't belong and that's in the business of God. And what she didn't realize that God's blessings are not subject to biological conditions. God's blessings are not subject to time. But He makes the impossible possible. And, and He can do it all on His own and He don't need our help and and that's how it's been for some of us. Year after year after year, we're told, this is it. This is your year. Preacher after preacher, sermon after sermon. Get ready. Get ready. Your blessing's coming. It, it, it's on the way. God's going to move in your life. But we begin to get frustrated and we get tired of, of waiting and we lose faith of what God has promised us. And that loss of faith, when I begin to lose faith, Brother Rayleigh, I begin to have disbelief. And I believe, is it even possible anymore? And we begin to think, well, maybe God, I really didn't hear what God was telling me. Maybe I misunderstood God. Maybe I don't deserve what God has promised me. So now I... I've got to devise my own plan and I've got to figure out how I'm going to do this on my own. And, and when we do that, when we, when we step out on our own, if you hear nothing I say today, hear this. When we step out on our own, it stops the movement of God and it kills our blessing. When we get out of the will of God, you can step out of the will of God and still, still be doing something for the kingdom but it will not be anointed. It will not be blessed. You're not going to prosper. Chapter 16, we see that Sarai at this time is tired of waiting. Her biological clock is ticked out, so she decides that she's going to give Hagar to her husband, and that is how they're going to have a child. And she makes this mistake. and I can imagine the reason why she was pressured into doing this is because uh, surrounded by the other women, she was probably beginning to be made fun of. and I'm sure there were some naysayers in the, the midst. They've had this promise, and 
All this time has passed, and look, Sarah's still not pregnant. And if we're not careful, sometimes we begin to listen to naysayers around us. Well, you said God said he was going to do this for you. What happens? Are, are, are you living wrong? Are you, doing, are you doing something wrong? And that's not always the case, but it can be discouraging. And that's why it's so important to prepare. It's in those times, see, that if a woman didn't have a baby, she was considered to be less than a woman. The reason was because Jewish women knew that the Messiah would be born through the womb of a woman. And so we, we know from reading that Sarah wanted a child so bad that she got tired of waiting and, and the inevitable happens. Hagar gives birth and Ishmael was born. And even though he was Abram's son, he, he was not the son of promise. That, that was not the promise that God gave. He was actually a counterfeit, the product of the inability to wait. See, you can step out of the will of God and you can go obtain some things on your own but they won't be blessed by God. They're not of God, and they wasn't given by God. See, Hagar was an Egyptian. She was Sarah's handmaiden, which means that she was a slave. And God's promise was not going to be birthed into bondage, but the promise of God was going to be birthed in freedom. And Sarah wanted so badly that she wasn't willing to be patient. She wasn't willing to wait on God, and she wanted it on her timetable. And we must learn that from this that, that we don't need to help God alone. We don't need to scheme and plot and plan and promise in order to receive God's promise. But we've always got to be seeking Him first. And we don't need to we don't need to push and prod God. But we've got to allow things to happen in God's time. And and and, and when we do that, they always, always work out for the best and for the good. In seventeen Chapter 17, the Lord again comes to Abraham and does four significant things. He changes Abram's name from Abram to Abraham, which means a father of a nation. He establishes his covenant with Abraham, and, and this time he uses circumcision as the token of the covenant. Thirdly, the Bible tells us that God changes Sarai's name to Sarah, which means a mother of a nation. And again tells Abraham that she's going to have a child. And, and fourth, God names the child. He names him Isaac. And he, he gives Abram a ballpark time of when this is going to take place. And You see, the significance of the name change was that God wanted Abraham and Sarah to walk in faith. The names were, were no more than just a play on words. Because you see, every time someone called them by their new name, or every time they introduced themselves to someone by their new name, they were making a statement of faith. Because Sarah said, I'm Sarah. I'm the mother of, of a nation. I'm, I'm going to have a child. And by this time, she was already 90. And faith tells us to call those things which are not as if they were. All, all apostolic people of faith should be doing this. We should be constantly speaking the word of God and his promises over our lives, our families, and his children. Yes, yes, my husband is a backslider, but God's promised me he's coming home. Yes, my wife has a disease, 
but God's promised me a healing. Yes, my children are lost right now, but they're coming home. God's given me that promise. And if God's promised us something, we've got to speak it in faith. We may not can see it in the tangible, but we've got to speak it in faith that, that God is coming. Chapter 18, the Lord appears again unto Abram as he, Abraham as he sits in the tent door in the heat of the day. Now, we won't read it, but we know that Abraham, three men, uh, they come and they beckon for a meal and Sarah prepares this meal. And, and again, these, these three men of, uh, that God has sent, they give this promise, this promise of a child and Sarah's in the tent. And Scripture said that she laughed within herself. She didn't laugh out loud so anybody could hear, but she, she laughed within herself, Brother Tim. And we know that God sees the very intent and thought of her heart. And you know, over the years, she has been judged so harshly at times for, for laughing within herself, Brother Donnie. But, but why wouldn't she? I say this with great respect, and I say it because I love her and she loves me, and I can say it. But we would all laugh if I brought my grandmother up here this morning and announced that she was going to have a new baby. <laughs> we would laugh. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't Sarah laugh? And God's give us some promises, and it was so long ago. Brother Donnie, sometimes I just, <laughs> I, I laugh because I sometimes don't think it's ever going to happen, Brother Tim. But I've got to, as David did, as David did when he come back to Ziglag, I've got to encourage myself. And I've got, to, I've got to ask for some strength from the Lord because you promised me. You promised me. My, my faith is wavered. My faith is challenged. And I'm weak, Lord, but you promised me. She was almost 90. He was approaching 100. But the important fact that she had forgotten was that whose messengers they belonged to, and they was messengers from God Almighty. And who are we? Who are we to question God's judgment? God doesn't always choose our idea to do a task. He generally chooses the person most willing to conform, not the one with the most ability, the most talent, but God chooses people that are willing to conform to His will. So it doesn't matter today what you do or do not possess. If we can get in the mind frame that God just needs people, willing people, we can do mighty things for the kingdom of God. He, we, we must learn from Sarah how many times, how many times have you refused to bake a cake or teach a Sunday school class or or, or you, you passed a job on to somebody else because you didn't think you were suited for the job that needed to be done here in the church. How many times have we said, I, I'm, I'm not capable of that or I, I don't want to do that? How many times have you been in a restaurant or a hardware store and the Spirit of God unctioned your spirit and said, speak to them, encourage them, and you walked on by? You, you wasn't sure if it was God or not, so you just discounted it. But God is looking for men and women that will conform and that can be used by Him. Every time, every time that God chooses someone, it always works. Every time. 
we can accomplish it with the help of the Lord. So, so the Lord says at the appointed time to Abraham, he says, I'm going to return according to the time of life and Sarah's going to give birth. And one thing that we've got to understand at this point that God had been speaking to Abraham the whole time. It wasn't until he sent his messengers that Sarah heard the promise. She heard it from Abraham. I'm sure he would tell her every night as they was about to go to bed, honey, we're going to have a baby. Honey, we're going to have a baby. But she had yet to hear it from God himself. She had not heard the promise from his mouth, but she had only heard from Abraham. So it was not until she heard the words directly from God that she began to believe. And what we sometimes don't realize is it's our lack of faith that stops blessings in our life. It's our inability to believe the word of God. We see that God tells them at this time he's, he's going to allow them to have birth. And what we must understand this morning is that before Sarah could become the mother of a nation, there was a process that she had to go through. Before she could give blessing to the promise, she had to go through some trials and tribulations. She had to make mistakes and she also had to grow her faith in God. And she had to hear the voice of God. I was so moved a few weeks ago by pastor's message, hearing the voice of God. In this last hour, more importantly than ever, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to be sensitive, sensitive to the Spirit of God. I know what the Word of God says. It says in the last days, He's going to pour out His Spirit. But if we're not sensitive to it, Brother Riley, it would be like it would be like the the Israelites, when God said, apply the blood to the doorpost. If you didn't listen to God, you was going to lose a child. And if we don't listen to God when He speaks, we're going to lose out on ministry. We're going to lose out on souls. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what it's about. It's about souls. And this this day and age of iPhones and iPads and iMacs, and I'm not don't leave here saying I'm preaching against that. But if you look in the center of all that, it's I, I, I. And until we get that concept out of our mind, that it's I, it's me, it's me, and understand that it's about souls. God can't move. God won't move until we conform to that. We've got to prepare. He's give us a promise. But he wants us to be prepared. He wants us to prepare for that promise. Our, our musicians come. Brother Jack, ask our ushers to come on in. And, and stay connected with me, if you will, just a few more minutes. We've got to prepare. So finally, nearly 25 years later, after God had first promised Abraham, remember now, we would have to go back to chapter 12, Brother Riley, verse 4. He was 75. And Abraham had this child at 100. 25 years. They have waited. They have prepared. They've traveled from country to country, seen land after land, preparing, preparing, preparing. Faith, faith wavered. Oh, yeah. Almost give up hope. Yeah. But they prepared. And we read in Genesis 21 and 
after that preparedness paid off, Sarah gives birth, and after God visited her, she had a baby at the, at the set time. God came to her when he was ready to give birth to a promise. Not, not when she wanted. It's, it's not when we want. It's not, it's not going to happen in our timetable. But it's going to happen when, when God wants it. God, when God feels that we're ready, that, that's when he'll allow it to take place in our life. That's why it's so important to prepare. I, I understand um, or been told in physical birth, while a woman is waiting to give birth, she can be in labor for sometimes for many hours, waiting and waiting and waiting to give birth to that child. I'm told that the pain is one of the worst that you'll ever experience. That woman goes through tremendous agony. But when she finally holds that baby, when it finally takes place, all the pain, all the agony, it's a distant memory. Because what she had been preparing for for nine months it was there. God gives us promises and we prepare and there's pain and there's trial and there's agony. But I want to tell somebody this morning that you just hang on. It's going to be worth the wait. It's going to be worth the promise. I don't know very much about giving physical birth. But I do know a little bit about spiritual labor. I can tell you about being spiritual pregnant spiritually pregnant and I can tell you about waiting to give birth to the promises of God and never seeing it come forth I, I know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night crying and praying and saying God what next and I never hear an answer and if we're not careful it's in those times that we'll lose faith and give up I, I, I know I know about praying for a promise year after year after year and it never comes. I know about disappointment and I'm here to tell somebody this morning that God's not forgotten about us and that he says on this Sunday morning that it's, it's time for him to burst some things in us, some things that we never thought would happen there's some blessings that, and promises that people has been promised in this house. It's coming forth. You stay faithful to God. You stay faithful to God and to the house of God. And what He's promised is, is going to come to pass. God is, it says it's time we, we need to take them off the shelf, that promise that you've put away. I want you to pull it down. I want you to dust it off. I'm not here declaring this morning that 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 you've waited so long is going to transpire today. But what I am declaring this morning is that God is in this house ready to strengthen and renew because he's not forgotten. We're going to come forth with a newness of life. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, God wants to bless us and we cannot let our unbelief cause us to have a spiritual miscarriage 
If we doubt God, we're going to lose out, Brother Allen. That promise, we'll lose it. But if we will trust in Him, because there's a prerequisite to receiving this promise. You've got to trust God and have faith that it's done. The birth, the birth can't take place if you don't believe. I hate to keep picking on you, Sister Amy, but when they told you you was pregnant, you believed it. You believed it. And you carried that child. You carried that promise. And when it comes to fruition, it's proof that when we believe in something, when we trust in something, a birth can't take place if you don't believe. If you want something in the kingdom, if you want something in God, you first got to believe it. You got to believe that God can do it in your life. And it cannot happen. You're not going to get nothing. You're not going to get nothing in the kingdom of God without some pain. You're going to have to go through some hurt. And if you're not willing to go through some trials and tribulations, uh, you're in the wrong business. Because to be used of God, you're going to have to be hurt a little. I've given Sarah a pretty hard time this morning. For whatever she may have done wrong. But thank God Sarah done a lot of things right. You see, through everything she went through, the 25 years of waiting for a promise, Sarah stayed faithful to God. She stayed faithful to her husband. And through it all, Sarah kept God first in her life. And we've got to keep him first. Even though the promise hasn't come to fruition, we've got to stay faithful to God. It can be so easy to become discouraged and, and to give up on what God has done. Um, can you give me Second Samuel chapter 6? I'm sorry I didn't give this to you. See, Sarah knew that, that she had the promise that Abraham would be the father of a nation and she would be the father. She would be the mother of a nation. She had that promise. And it was because of that she stayed faithful. And I'm just going to give us something to think about this afternoon. 2 Samuel 6. Give me, give me about verse 5. Or verse 11. I was reading this uh, the other day. And this, this come to my mind. And the ark of the Lord. I, I'll bring us to a point here. Uh, Uzzah had touched the ark. As they was bringing it, it was shaken, fell over. He, he, he touched the ark to prevent it from falling over, and God struck him dead. They left, become discouraged, and left the ark in the house of Obed-Edom. David hears of the blessing that has come into Obed-Edom's life. And so he says, we've got to go get this ark. We've got to bring this ark back to our people. Ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gideonite, three months, and the Lord jumped to verse 12. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth it, because the ark of David. So David went and brought the ark. Keep going, sister, I'm sorry. Give me one more verse, 13. 
It was then that they bear the ark of the Lord and had gone six paces. Here we go. It was there that they bear the ark of the Lord and he had gone six paces and he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. Continue. And David danced before the Lord with all his might and David was girded with a linen ephod. God, God had given him a promise. He said, if you'll, if you'll bring my presence back to the people, he said, I'm going to be with you. Keep going, sister. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting with the sound of trumpets. So now God's given them a promise, and it's, the promise is on the way. It hasn't arrived yet, but it's coming. So they're, what are they doing? They're, they're praising. They're, they're praising. They're giving, giving God glory. The, the presents haven't even got to the city yet, but they're praising God. Keep going, sister. They brought the ark of the Lord and set in his place in the midst of the tabernacle. Keep going, 18. And as soon as David had made an end of the offering, keep going. He's, he's praising, giving burnt sacrifices. And he dealt among all the people, among the whole. I missed it somewhere. <laughs> Let me get to my Bible. I'm sorry. I got a point I want to make. Verse 16, I'm sorry. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And she despised him in his heart. Give me verse 23. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place. I'm sorry, sister. Therefore, this is the end of the chapter, therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. Could it be, if we jump to the book of Matthew, chapter 1, to the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the presence of God is coming back home. It's been a promise. She has the opportunity looking out that window to go down with her husband and worship God and magnify him for what he's about to do in Israel. But we read where she was despised or despised him in his heart and God cursed her. And she had no more children until the day of her death. Brother Rayleigh, I wonder what would have happened if she would have come down with him. Saul had wrecked the family name. For his actions, he had removed himself. She held in her hand the opportunity to redeem her family. What, what, what would it read if we, instead of saying, and I'm not discounting the word of God, I'm just wondering, this is just food for thought. What, what, would, what could it have possibly read instead of, and David had Solomon from that of the wife of Uriah. What, would, what, what could she have done in her life different if she had obeyed the will of God and she could have been in the genealogy of Jesus Christ but she removed herself because she wasn't prepared for a promise. As we stand to our feet this morning
God is faithful to his word. And it can be so discouraging. It can be so discouraging. I'm, I'm closing, but stay connected with me just for a minute. It can be so discouraging for year after year after year to see things that we want in the kingdom of God pass us by. It can be, it can be demoralizing to, to watch others seem to be elevated. I mean, we're, I'm just being real because we're human. It can be a little demoralizing to see others being elevated in the kingdom of God and we've been faithful to the house. We've been faithful to God. We've tried to do everything right, Brother Ray. But in our eyes, it seems like we're getting left behind. And that's what I want to encourage us this morning. That God, God's not leaving us behind. God's not leaving us behind. But He's given us a promise. And all of this waiting, all of this waiting, God is, is preparing. I, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to obey the Spirit of the Lord here for a minute. Every head bowed and every eye closed, please. God has give you a promise and I'm speaking to someone and you've held on to this promise and you've trusted in God but so much time has passed by that your faith has been challenged and you're about ready to give up but I want to tell you this morning that God's here to renew God's here to renew. I'm not going to be prophetic this morning and tell you that your promise is coming to pass today. But I want to tell you that God's fixing to renew. And if you've been given a promise, every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've been given a promise but you found yourself wavering, I want you to come to this front right now. It can be so easy to be intimidated. But don't be like Michael and stand in the window and let the promises of God go by you. But I want us to line up across this front this morning. God is faithful. God is faithful. The devil has intimidated and he has hindered some of us for so long. And we feel inadequate to do what we know in our heart that God has called us to do in the kingdom. There are ministries today that are not being fulfilled in this church because the devil has come against us. And you can write me off as a little off, but I'm telling you, we live and we're fighting a spiritual battle, Brother Bobby. We are in spiritual warfare. 
And if we don't stay maintained with God, we're going to lose out on what he's promised us. And I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. I've come too far. God's done too much for me to lose now. And he's got so much more for us to do. We're going to lift our hands. And we're going to bind together and believe in faith. All across this house, I want you to unleash your prayers. And let's begin to cry out to God. Mighty God, you've assured us. You've assured us in your word, Lord. God, long ago, you placed a promise in me. And I've almost given up. Night after night after night, I've cried and wondered when. When is this going to happen in my life? But today, God, I'm pulling this down off the shelf and I'm going to dust this off. And I want you to revive my spirit. God, I want you to encourage me today. Oh, God, revive this spirit in me today. Hallelujah. 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 This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.